Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the race tracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello welcome to the show joining me this week to discuss the lead into townsville up in townsville already and it's monday peter norton i guess the advertising has lured you up there and more so the canberra winter uh, yes, greetings from far north Queensland. And actually, this is one of the reasons why the race works. It's one of the reasons that the Queensland government put money behind it because the timing is just perfect for people in the southern states to uh, jump on a plane and escape the cold weather and, and have a good break. Particularly for you financial types that, of course, have just ended the end of financial year madness. Yes, that's right. I've got my team uh, doing uh, interview stuff and uh, they don't need me in the way at the moment, so I get away for a week. <laughs> John Bannon also joins us from VRX Magazine. And, uh, John, I know it's on deadline. The pressure is on for Adrian Mussolino, the editor, as he's ready to get the next edition out. That's right. He'll certainly uh, be under the pump in the next couple of days. But, uh, yes, of course, uh, soon we'll have uh, issue 88 uh, out in all good news agents. So uh, we encourage you to pop along and uh, pick up a copy. Now, the atmosphere up there, even though we are what... uh, Four days from the first wheels turning, Peter. What's it uh, been like? Does the town get that Adelaide vibe or even the Darwin vibe where it's just taken over by V8 supercars? Uh, in a, on, a, on a smaller scale, yes. Uh, it's not quite as all-encompassing as Adelaide gets, uh, but there's a positive vibe and it will grow as the week goes on. And, John, I guess an interesting story coming out of uh, uh, HRT, not Worried about two cars hitting each other because they've put brand new paint on both of them, or I should say stickers, shouldn't I? And uh, they're going to be running a Brock Tribute livery in Townsville. Yeah, I saw some pics of that uh, today, Craig. Gee, it's uh, it's always good to do these liveries. I think it's of interest uh, for the for the fans, and I think the fans of the sport uh, love seeing them. And I guess uh, us journo's like uh, talking about them, and uh, they're certainly uh, good for barroom discussion so to speak about oh I, I like this panel or they could have done this better and yeah I just even I trawled through um, some of the comments even on Speed Cafe today and had a look as to what some people were saying and it, it was uh, mainly positive uh, commentary overall a few people would have liked to have seen uh, white wheels I, I noticed and that was one of the comments that came up but uh, look it, it looks spectacular and I think it's wonderful uh, that, that they're doing it and, and that um, they do it at an event like Townsville, they won't necessarily just you know wait for a Bathurst or something like that. Mm. Yeah, Peter, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the merchandise and everything around some of these 25-year liveries goes this year. Well, yes, that's right. Uh, now, you guys know that sometimes I'm a little bit cynical. Um, the cynic in me suggests that uh, is this colour scheme uh, a distraction, a distraction from recent media that has focused on uh, those two cars knocking each other out, uh, and their, their relative lack of performance against other guys. And, and that may be highlighted this weekend because uh, they, they 
performed so well last year at Townsville uh, with uh, you know, the victories with Tander and all of that. Um, so there's a, a direct uh, reference point. If they don't perform at the very top, we will see just how much they've slipped. Mm. And, of course, whilst we uh, finish this segment of the show, talking liveries, Michael Caruso, which I think he has had some great-looking cars this year. John, he's got a, a nice-looking, uh, I think it's a Nissan Academy livery for Townsville, which uh, is once again shows the Nissan boys really working hard on the look of their cars. It's that it's chrome silver look, isn't it, Craig? That's what we're... That's the one? Yeah, yeah. It sort of uh, reminded me a, a bit of, um, uh, I guess, a, an F1 Mercedes seeing that today. It, it, it does look very flash and, uh, yeah, ve- very professional and sleek and, yeah, very eye-catching. So uh, the fans and, um, uh, I guess, the TV commentators and, and all that sort of thing certainly won't miss that car this weekend. Mm. Well, we do need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to the show, and John Bannon, Peter Norton joining me. Craig Ravel, and uh, well, we've got an interesting situation with uh, Nissan Motorsport. We talked about the great-looking cars that uh, Michael Caruso has had this year, but Peter CarSales.com.au has got on board Todd Kelly, and is going to be backing him for the uh, well for at least the rest of the season. Yes, that's great news. Uh, that's a team that, uh, well, quite frankly, they've got a lot of. Uh with four cars, they've got a lot of square centimetres of uh, sponsorship space to sell. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, they've struggled a little bit to uh, sell all of that space uh, over the, you know, the last 12 months, you'd have to say. Uh, so it's good to see uh, such a, a prominent brand, a big company like that, to uh, to jump on board. And uh, we spoke just a moment ago about Michael Caruso's car. Uh, that Nissan outfit do a, a very good job for their sponsors. Uh, they're always doing uh, innovative promotional things, uh, striking liveries, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, really good to see that effort being rewarded by a new sponsor coming on. Um, the heart goes out to them that they're not a little bit further up in the field and getting results for some of these sponsors. But uh, with that work ethic, uh, hopefully that will come. And, John, I, I should clear that up, that they're jumping on board at the start of the endurance season at Sandown, not up at Townsville this weekend. Yeah, that's right. And it's also another interesting point here is every now and then there's a rumour that circulates around Todd Kelly about his driving future as to whether uh, he'll stay in the car or whether uh, he'll go more into a a team management role. And I think probably to some degree that that, uh, criticism and comment uh, is a bit unwarranted from the, the perspective that he's still delivering... Uh, very solid results, and he's while he's been around in the sport for a long time, he's only 35. He's certainly a lot younger than, than some of the other drivers uh, in the field. So 
I guess that speculation uh, will go away now for a little while uh, with confirmation, I believe, that this deal is for um, the remainder of, of, of this season, but, but also uh, 2016 as well. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing, getting some longevity in their, their sponsorship deals. Now, when we look at Nissan particularly, Peter, they're a team that seems to be just on the cresp of something big. Uh, they've had uh, some really good, strong results the last few rounds. Yes, it's been building slowly, hasn't it? That, that, that feeling of here it comes, here it comes, and it's still not here, here it comes. Uh, yeah, when it comes, it's going to be a big celebration for that team, no doubt. Um, yeah, I hope they can deliver because it has been quite a long time coming. Uh, and, of course, there's growing uh, question marks about the future. Um, Nissan as a manufacturer uh, have been a little bit vocal about uh, the, the rules for the future and what they might be and uh, uh, limitations on promotional opportunities. So they, they, they want to do more, and in some respects you get this sense that they're being held back. I wonder when they're going to get frustrated. Um, so the uh, Generation 2 rules, everyone's uh, you know, holding their breath waiting to see those. That could be a make or break for Nissan's involvement, I suspect. Um, let's hope that they stay involved because uh, uh, a brand with that energy and, and that, you know, the, the choices that are available, you know, going for the Nissan GTR body shape, for example, and you know, Turbo 6s versus V8s, um, you know, they're a key player in the future of those Generation 2 rules. Um, yeah, to me that's fascinating. Let's hope it all works out for them and they start to get some results. Yeah, it is going to be interesting just to see how that team develops because the other critical thing is that the Dunlop series, John, is going to see these cars that they're running now in the main game eligible and for a business point of view, selling those cars off and having some maintenance supply agreements for the parts could be a lucrative way to keep that team uh, finding revenue streams. Well, that's right. And, I mean, we already see this happening to some degree with, uh, I guess, uh, almost like a, a pilot team with some of the the, the major uh, teams. You've got Paul Dumbrell uh, being linked with Triple Eight. You've got um, Cam Waters linked with uh, ProDrive. You've got Jack LeBrock uh, linked with Erebus. Uh, you've got Michaeli Jones uh, linked with BJR. So... This already happens to a degree, but where I guess that the real benefit here is that these young drivers or experienced drivers, I guess in the case of Dumbrell, will now be able to sit in the same generation car uh, that the main game drivers are in. And uh, of course, you know, with all the various feedback uh, and technical input that goes along with that, uh, you'd imagine that over time that will help these young drivers uh, better prepare themselves uh, for the main game just because they're, they're driving something that's that little more um, similar. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that one all pans out. But it's uh, good to see that we are, are seeing a lot more a um, lot more good quality equipment in the Dunlop Series. And, Peter, that's been one of the, the big factors in the Dunlop Series' success over the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. And uh, the irony of all of that is with the, the youngsters, the up-and-coming drivers driving the current spec cars, when they make that jump to the main game, of course, they're going to be that much more competitive. And by crikey, that makes it hard for the old guys like Marcus Ambrose trying to get back into it, doesn't it? Mm, that's right, indeed. And, uh, of course, we've seen tyre rules all being changed this uh, over the last few months. And 
practice rules. And interesting for Nissan, say, their overseas drivers have got clashes where the extra testing sessions, John, are available for those guys and they're not going to get those extra lap opportunities. And, and that'll come crucial, be crucial, you know, come enduro time, which is really just around the corner now uh, in, in this 2015 championship. Time in these cars uh, is, is absolutely vital. And, and uh, I know we, we ran a piece in uh, a feature in V8X magazine uh, about this in, in the current issue in, in, in 87, that basically uh, th- these international drivers who, who come in uh, some of them will, will do well and and really shine, uh, and, and others struggle. and And we've seen we've seen examples of it. You know, people like Jacques Villeneuve, um, who, despite all his credentials, uh, struggled when he came over and, and and drove these cars. So yes, particularly for the international guys that come in, um, some of them take um, to it like a duck to water, and and others don't. I mean, look how long it took. Um, Premat to get up to uh, speed at, at, at Gary Rogers. So, look, uh, time in these cars is crucial. Um, Marcus Ambrose has, has proven this. So, uh, yeah, it, it is a blow to those guys, no doubt. Yeah, it is indeed. We need to take a break, and uh, we'll be back with more on Inside Supercars right after this. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Peter Norton and John Bannon with me. And Peter, Jason Bright closing in on 500 race starts this weekend. And uh, he certainly has been a stayer. Bathurst victories and uh, just, you know, a regular guy that can get onto the podium, get onto the top step, in fact, but hasn't had the consistency that I, I'm sure he would have liked over the last two or three years. I think you're hitting the nail on the head. The consistency has been the problem in the last couple of years. Uh, there's been times when they've had the absolute speed, uh, they've, they've been up there, but uh, it's Fabian Coulthard that's got the results. And I, I, I would, I'm fairly sure that uh, Bryce would be getting quite frustrated this year, uh, seeing Fabian uh, you know, performing very, very well. Uh, and you know, you, you know that they've got equal equipment, so it does come down to driver and setup on the day. Uh, Bright would be getting frustrated. Uh, and, of course, you know, people in the media like us keep pointing out that he's the oldest driver in the field now. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, we, we may be off the Christmas card list if we keep talking about this kind of thing. Uh, but uh, it is time for him to perform. Uh, it's uh, contract renegotiations at the end of, uh, end of this year. And uh, we want to see him around. We want to see him performing. And also... Uh I don't know how many of the other media talk about him being the oldest driver, but you've got to be in your bonnet about it. But, <laughs> but now, interestingly, though, on a serious point, he started a, a fairly significant Australia-wide business and his task force company has to be uh, taking up a fair chunk of time along with, uh, of course, his uh, young son and another one on the way. Um, yeah, he's got uh, a full plate. And, uh, I mean, he's always been uh, looking out for what he will do when he finishes driving. Not that he's in a hurry to finish driving, but he's always had uh, you know, business plans and that kind of thing. Uh, his, uh, uh, his exploration of going to business uh, you know, funded by Ford, Brytech, of course, that didn't work out so well. Um, but, yeah, he's thinking about you know, tomorrow and the next day all of the time. So uh, you've got to wish him the best because he's quite clever thinking ahead like that. Mm. Now, I know, John, you've 
kept a close eye on the whole uh, Brad Jones racing operation because they're in that position where Andrew Jones is a, a reliable co-driver now running in the Dunlop series, which will be on the track again this weekend. But you've got this other Jones, McCauley, who's just sitting there waiting in the wings for his opportunity to step up as well. Yeah, and I spoke to McCauley uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, e- even though he's, uh, I think, just uh, 20 years of age, he's got a very uh, mature head on his shoulders. Uh, he-, he understands that uh, this is really his, his first full-time year in, in the Dunlop series and-, and while he's not ruling out uh, gaining a- an enduro gig uh, this year, uh, I think he he feels uh, that it would be better to gain that that uh, year of uh, full-time experience in the in the Dunlop series, and then perhaps revisit that uh, next year. Having said that, uh, we have seen him in the car during the practice sessions throughout this year, so uh, they obviously are preparing him. Uh, should they they decide to go ahead, he's obviously uh, got a lot of talent, and in every series that uh, he, he's performed in he's managed to get up to speed quite quickly so I guess that there is that bit of um, uh, a family dynasty going on there but he, he said to himself uh, names aside uh, he wants to prove his capabilities uh, on the basis of his ability and not necessarily uh, his name but he also admits that it is a wonderful opportunity being linked uh, um, to BJR in, in this way and, and particularly given he is so young. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's a a tough one, isn't it? Uh, We saw for years where the sons of great drivers, Peter, they sometimes don't get the uh, kudos they deserve. Well, that's right. Uh, Often they've got very big shoes to fill, uh, and uh, and it's hard. Uh, Often the the, the father uh, was successful in a different era where... You know that the standards were were, were different, and uh, you know the depth in the field was uh, different. Uh, so perhaps it was easier back then, relatively, uh, to to be a high performer, whereas now you can be a bloody great driver and finishing twentieth. Um, it's a tricky one, and uh, I can imagine it's quite a dilemma for that team. That uh, yeah, it'd be great to have that family dynasty going, but you also got to pay the bills, uh, and uh, you know the. the the BJR have always been pretty savvy in a business sense, and uh, uh, it's going to be a tough decision. Jason Bright, uh, while he hasn't been getting the best results lately, um, he's very good with the sponsors, isn't he? Uh, so it's quite a tough choice. Mm, it is indeed. Macaulay Jones currently sitting in 13th in the Dunlop Series Championship as they head up to Townsville. Cameron Cameron Waters leading from Paul Dumbrell and Jack LeBrock. A break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. 
Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, and Peter Norton, John Bannon with me, Craig Ravel, and and whilst we're talking about uh, the Dunlop series, Todd Hazelwood, fantastic story by Andrew Van Llewellyn at uh, motorsport.com, talking about how he is going about fundraising. He's doing barbecues at hardware stores and uh, all sorts of chocolates and uh, other ways of raising money just to keep himself on the track, John. Well, uh, I guess motorsport is just one of those things that, that's so expensive and, and Todd's someone who clearly uh, has talent. Um, he's been talked about um, in the same, I guess, way and, and breath that uh, Macaulay Jones has and, and he, you know, he's also, uh, I guess, in the, in the development phase of his, um, his Dunlop series career in, in that he's a rookie and, and, um, but people are taking notice of him. However, as we all know, commercial reality sits in. Uh, if you can't pay the bills and and you know the the, the cost for running um, you know, one race weekend uh, in these cars is, is is very hefty. So I'm not surprised that um, you know he's decided to to go out and and do these sort of uh, promotional events for himself and, and good on him for showing a bit of initiative and, and, and doing it and not uh, resting on his laurels and, and just hoping someone's going to come to him. So, yeah, he should, he should be uh, credited for doing that. Mm. And obviously you're not going to get a full half a million dollar Dunlop Series budget, Peter, doing that sort of fundraising, but it certainly helps just any sort of money you can get in at the end of the weekend. Every dollar helps, but I think it's also uh, a positive promotion for the guy and a promotion for his sponsors. I would imagine that where he sets up his uh, his barbecue and uh, turning the sausages, I would hope that he's got the, a sign behind him that has his sponsors' names and it's building that, uh, that, that real positive uh, vibe uh, around the whole team. So uh, uh, it's innovative. Good luck to him. Uh, and it's probably a discussion for another day, some of the uh, interesting ways people have tried to finance a motorsport career. Well, it, it comes on the back of the fact that supercar teams aren't finding one sponsor for the season. So they're going down multiple sponsorship paths. Here you have someone in the second series that's going, well, I can get a few sponsors and I can do a bit extra fundraising here and I can get on the track. Yep, that's whatever's required. Mm. You've got to do what you've got to do. Now, as we uh, go to air, Stefan Bartholomeus has uh, got a story that... Uh, V8 supercars and the Bathurst 12-hour seem to be, well, seem to be looking at some sort of promotion takeover. So uh, we could see, based on the premise of Stefan Bartholomew's story, John, that V8 supercars could be promoting the 12-hour, and I guess that is one way to guarantee you will not clash with the test day ever again. Thinking of promoting the 12-hour, that's that is quite quite interesting, Craig. Given I guess everything we had uh, last year, where um, you know there was that that obvious uh, trying to do everything possible, so um, so there was that clash, and and fans had to decide, and you know maybe not everything possible is fair, but it it, it seemed that last year, uh, you know though that the parties just couldn't get together to understand a a common good for the whole sport, uh, which was to have the test day and the 12-hour on 
on separate days so that Australian motorsport fans, the majority of which would be interested in both events, were able to attend both events. So now this is this is quite a turn. It's it's a it's a positive turn if um what what is being um, printed is is true. Um, and and I'd love to hear more more details as to how that's all going to come about. Mm, yeah, an interesting one because V8 Supercars unsuccessfully tried to buy the Australian GT Championship last year, uh, Peter. But um, yeah, to go for the promotion rights of the twelve hour would certainly be. Uh, an interesting move and an interesting situation because I thought the Channel 7 deal was a multi-year television contract that was signed as well. Uh, yeah, this would be fabulous if it was achieved because the last or the, the, the war that they had uh, beginning of this year was quite destructive, I think. Uh, this would be marvellous. However, it's such an about-face. It'd be a little bit like the uh, the Allies and the Taliban getting together in a same-sex marriage. Uh, it, it really is uh, such a, a big turnaround. Uh, yeah, let's watch that one with interest. In fact, uh, just reading Stefan's story a bit closer, he has actually said that Seven is locked in for February the 5th to 7th for and, the coverage. And, and I'm equally fascinated as, as to what the 12-hour... The Organisers think of this, and I'm not sure whether it says that in the story, Craig. But uh, yeah, they I mean... they were unable to be contacted. But there's there's plenty more for, of this story to be run over the next uh, even few days when this show has gone to air. So um, Stephen Bartholomew's right at the cutting edge, remembering that uh, last year he won Story of the Year for breaking the uh, clash story at um, Darwin. So uh, once again, right ahead of Townsville, he's he's come out with a, a very, very good yarn. It certainly sounds like it. And, yeah, I think we we all wait with interest. Uh, it, it is a cracking story, that's for sure. It is indeed. Look, a break here on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Well, it gets to that time of the show when we really need to think what's going to happen on the track. And, John Bannon, what are you expecting to see up there in Townsville? Could we possibly see a trifecta of HRT teammate collisions. <laughs> I think if you were a, a betting man in terms of uh, working out those sort of results for the weekend, Craig, you'd probably bet against that. It's probably quite unlikely. I'm sure they've had numerous discussions about why not to do that. Uh, I, I certainly think they, they don't want to continue as the media story for the, the wrong reasons. But I guess for the right reasons, uh, just doing a bit of a check in of the history books uh jamie wincup uh, has won a race up there seven times which is probably not overly surprising uh given the domination the domination that red bull has had uh, over the last number of seasons but as we discussed off air uh hrt has also been very strong here and 
And Garth uh, Tander has won this race three times as well. And I think HRT in general have always been uh, there or thereabouts. And, and Garth had a win uh, last year. I think it should also be noted that uh, HRT seemed to do very well on street circuits. Obviously, James Courtney had the win in Adelaide earlier this year. And uh, so they obviously get their car set up uh, right on, on these tracks. And uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, one of those drivers, Tender or Courtney, uh, were the ones to lift the trophy this weekend. Yeah, the only thing, Peter, is uh, that James might not remember that it's a different livery and think he's hitting a different uh, team's car. <laughs> uh, it's going to take him a while to live that one down, isn't it? Uh, I loved uh, Courtney's comments about... Uh, you know, tripping over his um, uh, when he suggested other teams might have been doing it by this time of the year. Uh, so it's going to be a fascinating race. It's one that uh, has often delivered uh, a lot of uh, different strategies which you know, come together at the end. And uh, you know, halfway, three-quarter distance, you just can't tell who's going to win. So uh, to me, it's one of the, the highlights of the year uh, when they get the, the formats right. Uh, a lot of good drama. Um, yeah, who to pick? Uh, you know, FPR obviously are uh, pick of the, the crop lately, but it's not a track where they've had a, a great deal of success. Uh, as John pointed out, uh, uh, HRT and uh, and Red Bull are the ones that uh, have had the most success there over the years. Um, yeah, I think on uh, on form for the year though, uh, FPR is where we're going to see the winner, and uh, I think it's uh, it's Winterbottom's turn. Uh, somehow that. Uh, uh, Motsit, uh, he he's a little inconsistent, although brilliantly fast. He's not quite consistent enough, I think, for Townsville. Mm. All right. John, uh, give us a name. Remembering that it, it's 200 k's, not 250 like last year. As Garth Tander told me last year, he said, I don't know what we achieved in the extra 50 kilometres. So they listened to the drivers for once and cut it. Well, I'm, despite everything I've said about HRT and that they'll be strong and they will be, uh, I'm predicting that, that finally Jamie Wincup uh, will come back into play uh, in this championship in a big way. I don't think he can leave it uh, uh, too much longer and I think he'll be very keen for um, probably both wins in Townsville uh, this weekend. It'll just be a matter of whether HRT or or as uh, Peter alluded to, the, the speed uh, that... that um, Pro Drive have at the moment will come to the fore and whether they will challenge. Uh, interestingly, uh, FBR have had two victories here before. Uh, Mark Winterbottom in 2010 and Will Davison in uh, 2013 when he was uh, a Blue Oval driver. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting, but my tip is Win Cup. All right, Peter Norton? Uh, Mark Winterbottom. Okay, he's keeping with the FPR, the Pro Drive Racing Australia theme that has been quite successful this year. A break and then a final thought or observation up next. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels through the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. 
Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought or observation, Peter Norton. Gee, it was great seeing Craig Lowndes get his 100th in Darwin, but now we can get rid of that distraction and concentrate back on the championship because it's shaping up to be a cracker. John Bannon. At the top of the program, we talked about Nissan, and uh, I'm fascinated to see how much further they'll move up uh, the grid in the second half of this year and whether uh, they'll get any uh, any race wins and, and maybe even starting this weekend. And it'll be interesting to see that indeed. My final thought is to the family and friends of Tony Warriner, who led the NRMA smash repair team for so many years, died of cancer at the Camden Hospital last week. And uh, our thoughts go out to all his friends and family. He was indeed a uh, true gentleman and uh, certainly put in a lot of service and hard work for not only the V8 paddock, but all the competitors right across Australia. And uh, and uh, we you know, certainly appreciate the work that he did for all those years. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Thanks very much, John Bannon. Thank you very much, Craig Ravel. And I certainly hope you don't get too much of a heat stroke up there in Townsville, Peter Norton. Well, I'll be trying. <laughs> that's, Thanks, all, that's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.